All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of No Percent Names Review Crew. It's where we get our writers and editors together to talk about what we've done and seen in the last week or so. And um, this week, we may not have seen a whole lot, but we're going to have a did. episode. No, one, no, I actually did see some. I, so, yeah. I, saw, I saw three things. I did three oh. things. So. Is it enough to, enough to cover for all of us? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is the voice of our founder... Hello, Noah Nelson. And we've also got our Chicago curator. Hey, everyone. It's Patrick McLean. I did read Metaverse in a lot of articles today, so that is something, I suppose. Get used to it. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot. Course, it's, that's all I mean. What you, Patrick, if you really want to get ahead of the curve, read a bunch of articles that mention NFTs. So um, I was actually just mm-hmm. right before okay. – Right, right before I realized we had to do a podcast recording, I was listening to Waypoint Radio, and apparently there's an article uh, over at Waypoint about NFTs and gaming, and and people like rolled their eyes. But apparently, this has go- been going on in the global south for a while, and there's some very large billion dollar games that have, you know, these digital objects that people are buying. So, um, yeah, like uh, this stuff is this stuff is already happening. It's starting to mainstream. But that's a whole that's a whole other thing, and how it how it impacts us. You wouldn't think it would impact us, and yet it, it's it's definitely gonna gonna be impacting us. But that's for another time. Um, maybe, I, maybe it's just later this episode. We we do maybe, keep talking about NFTs on the show now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not 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 by not by not by choice. Um, so I guess I am the one who has stuff this week. So you are. Why don't you? I, I yeah. So let's, as we're talking digital, why don't we start with, and Patrick mentioned Metaverse, why don't we start with the meta movie, Alien Rescue, which I caught this week as part of Raindance, which is the film festival out of London. It's like an indie film festival that also has been for years now a major, one of the major parts of the XR circuit. I believe last year... I think it was last year, not the year before, The Devouring won, uh, The Devouring being the long-form VR chat uh, world that is this like elaborate horror escape experience. And so um, the meta movie is by uh, – there's there's a bunch of people who work on it, including uh, Miranda Botha, who uh, yeah, does a couple of the characters. And the guy is uh, uh, Jason Moore is the uh, director of it, who was actually interviewed by Audie Cornish. Cornish? Cornish? I can't. Oh, my God. I've lost my NPR cred. Audie Cornish. Audie Cornish on, uh, I think, Morning Edition this week because uh, they asked him about the metaverse. So that was a little surprise. I was like, oh, well, it's Jason. Um, so the metaverse, the metaverse, the meta movie Alien Rescue is essentially – um, I'm going to try and do this one for people who don't know all of our own references. So uh, it's a meta movie because what they've done is they've taken a avatar platform, in this case, Neos VR, which is uh, a super indie uh, VR platform, um, you know, even more indie than VR chat, which is pretty darn indie, indie and uh, built out a series of sets uh, in a game engine um, that uh, those sets are very, you know, you know, vibes of alien and halo mind you. Halo has a lot of alien vibes. So uh, imagine you were doing a giant play acting, a LARP inside a bunch of halo maps that someone custom made. Uh, that is functionally what uh, meta movie alien rescue is. The storyline is that uh, you there's a, a galaxy t- at war, torn apart. Uh, the you're part of a republic that is at war with an evil empire. That evil empire is has been uh, taking endangered species and trying to weaponize them. And you're part of a uh, kind of intergalactic animal rights group crew. You've been hired in to do a job to uh, rescue this uh, rare creature from this evil lab and uh, you run into enemy soldiers, enemy scientists, rogue AI, and uh, also a crew, uh, your own crew who, you know, might, might 
uh, have their own ideas about how the whole job is supposed to kind of go. Uh, all of the characters are performed, including the, the creatures, are performed by a troupe of actors. Uh, you get to be uh, – one person gets to be the hero. And everyone else who joins it gets to be these little, what they call iBots. So little, they're given avatars and silenced and they kind of float around the space and get to see things. And they do get to kind of act, uh, you know, they're playing a droid in Star Wars, essentially. Uh, they get to go do extra little things, uh, help out the characters um, in, in tiny ways, but don't necessarily get to be, you know, the center of attention. Uh, I got to be uh, the hero. And uh, it was a blast. Uh, it felt like a big role-playing game session. Um, it felt like what I've always wanted one of these XR performance things to be. And I don't just mean that because like, oh boy, everyone's paying attention to me. And I haven't really done any of these XR performances where people are paying attention to me. Um, but getting to banter with actors. So I likened it to playing mass effect which is one of my favorite role-playing games ever and when i played mass effect two years ago when connect was still a thing there was a mode i actually replayed mass effect two because there's a mode you could turn on with the connect where instead of just selecting what your character said um which in mass effect if you you, you could select basically the subtext of what your character is going to say and then your character would say something along the lines of that subtext, which was something that really bugged a lot of uh, gamers. Uh, they, they hated that. I loved it because I got to watch the character performance uh, after selecting the intention. So it, it, it added surprise to me, to the process for me. When I played it with the Connect, though, you could also just read that. And because of that, and then the character would like act out stuff. So you again, you got to kind of act, you got to emote, and then the machine would respond. Um, this was definitely like the next level because like I got to play little scenes with other with performers, and uh, we had a blast together. They how yeah. On that note, how leading were the prompts for your engagement? Then was it really? Could you? interrupt at any time and yabber on or were there clearly kind of cues and it was kind of more of a yes no where you could elaborate if you felt like it i'm really intrigued by this idea. yeah i mean i think so i think they're you know they've had a they've had a lot of different types of people come through and so and i think they're often used to like very reluctant recalitrant uh hero characters like folks at film festivals who just like i don't know what I'm supposed to do here. What do I say something now? And then you have to deal with me uh, who has, you know, LARP and improv training. And even though I, I tend to kind of hang back in immersive theater pieces in this one, you know, I was, you know, told like, well, you're the protagonist. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to throw some swagger in the mix. And that meant that, it wasn't so much that I was derailing scenes because you have, we were often splitting the party and, uh, and that meant, you know, that meant the passive folks could go on and watch the other characters if they wanted to, while I was off with one of the other actors, there were kind of, um, three, there was four principal actors, three of which were in your team. And, uh, you know, I'd be split off with somebody and we'd get to bantering. And there was one moment when one of the characters, <laughs> there's one moment you're in a lab and a character like uh, starts like stealing these leaves, which are drugs. And, uh, and he takes one and I just like had a, I had a full meltdown on him because he like was eating the drugs. I was like, what are you doing? And it turns out if I had like, if I had eaten the drugs as well, I would have seen like particle effects or something like that, which would have been cool. But I'm like, we're on a mission. What are you doing? And also you're eating the profits. Like, come on, like if we're going to do this. Don't, don't. <laughs> right. And so we developed this kind of like really funny uh, relationship a little bit later. And again, this is a normal prompt for him. Like he's like, oh, Hey, like what if when this is all over, this is a little spoilery, like, you know, like what if when we get to the objective, like we just betray everybody else. And I like went off on him. Uh, but also was like, 
like spun it a different way. Like I got angry, but then I was like, no, look, we can steal the eggs, right? You got to be more subtle in your larceny. And so afterwards they were, they were pretty chuffed with how things went uh, with, with, with me as a, a, a participant performer. And so, yeah, like it, it, it was, it's the closest thing I've had to, doing like a, a tabletop role-playing game experience in this kind of VR format um, because we've so, got a, uh-huh. I know they're, I know they're not quite the same, but how does it like kind of compare to something like the under presents, which also kind of puts you in a space with live actors that feels like maybe the closest analog to like other. No, totally different. Cause like no, in that okay. one, you know, in that one, you're. I mean, in that one, you're really. Oh wow, what the heck? Um, sorry, sorry if anyone was getting like absolutely blasted with my voice. My sound decided to like peak to 100 while I wasn't looking. So uh, this is really just adjusting some levels here and trying to trying to get something. Uh, literally, the the machine did it behind my back, uh, which is which is unfortunate. Um, yeah, that looks a lot better. Uh, what was the question again, Kevin? Well, I it was so about the under percent. So as ha- not having done the meta movie, but having done a great deal and had spent a lot of time in the under percents, I, I would say even from the description, I agree. No, it's definitely a completely different experience. But ultimately, I, I feel like in the under percent, you, you're there to bear witness to maybe have a like at most like a nod or a universal like arm motion, like a handshake or a wave or something like that to engage with the performer. But generally there, you are there to be entertained and to watch a live performer do something they couldn't necessarily do in person in the VR space. Yeah. It's fairly, it's fairly low. You're, you're involved, but it's a low agency, right? Like, exactly. I mean, Kevin, to put it in like LA immersive theater terms, like the under presents is a little bit more like a speakeasy society show, okay. right? You know, and uh, this is a lot more um, theater macabre, right? Okay. This, this is a lot more right. like you're a protagonist. Now I, now I understand. Now you understand, right? Of course, no one else does. <laughs> Please put it in all these terms that only I can understand. Specifically for Kevin. Right. And then then for the Philadelphia crowd and then the Midwesterners (laughs) and then the folks down south. So, yeah, no, I could do it for each each region. I I wish I could do it for each region. That'd be hilarious. No, uh, the the analog here is, you know, um, I think the the LARPing analog is really the way to go, right? Like – but, but, but in pure terms, it's about how much agency do you have. You've got a very limited set of a- amount of agency. You've got a lot of traverse in in the underpresents, not counting the tempest, right? In the underpresents, you have traversal agency, and you can respond to prompts and kind of play along with the performers. And uh, in like the tempest, you have all that, and you get the added bonus of sort of you get coached through to perform for each other. In this one, you have incredibly high agency. You are a protagonist. It's the narrative structure that is limiting you, right? Like you're in a big plot. And, you know, you could you could decide to try and derail the plot, but um, the other characters are there to pull you back, number one. And also, it's not like there's a game master who has an unlimited supply of things to go throw at you. Uh, you, you know, you are in one module, like you're running a specific, um, you know, meta movie alien rescue module in this system. Um, and, and you sort of, you sort of know that your job is to get through the module, not, not to free form, um, which, you know, um, that's, not only is that like, you know, a perfectly valid way of doing things, it's actually a pretty fun way, you know, and, and a, and a model that I think could be pursued pretty heavily. And again, sorry that the, um, that the audio, like I'm seeing, like, I'm sure the beginning of this audio is going to be absolutely distorted and awful. We're constantly trying to fix this and and we're constantly getting it wrong because the machines have ideas of their own. Um, but so, yeah, um, I think there's a lot of potential in this, 
both in this singular experience, but also in this idea of what if what if D and D modules for metaversal gaming, right? Like you 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 either buy a ticket and go experience something that a bunch of people perform for you, or and I was pitching this to the to the the team there. I was saying like you know, you guys could sell this as a kit for people to run on their own. Like let someone else like run it and like the people could, you could, people could run it and have fun, you know, uh, as their friends. Um, and you could see that happening over and over again. Um, and I, and I just think that that's where this will inevitably head. Well, that's kind of like a, a, a level set for it. Or, or even maybe this was part of what you were saying, but now it dawns on me, like, as this could be an answer to like when, you know, the show opens on Broadway, mm-hmm. the latest Aaron Sorkin play, it, it it's there, it gets rave reviews, and then it starts moving around the country. This could be a really interesting way for a lot of maybe VR places where typically you go and maybe, you know, you play uh, uh, Arizona Sunshine and you like shoot up a bunch of zombies with friends. But instead of that, you guys could all play in this movie together. Like it could be a package in a variety of ways, not just for like, yeah. hey, I have some people at home. It could be something that could be done by another company that could they could rent the license for three months and run it like they would any show during a traditional theater season. I mean, I kind of think that might have been what The Void was thinking was going to happen uh, in their initial run, and particularly when mm-hmm. they did um, the horror one, whose name I can't remember, who I, the one that I didn't get to do that I wish I had done, which was their original IP. And, you know, that was literally writ, co-written by Tracy Hickman and Curtis Hickman, as in Tracy Hickman, as in Drainlands, Tracy Hickman, because that's who Curtis Hickman's dad is. So they already know, like, the people, <laughs> the co-founders of The Void is very familiar with the concept of what a D&D module is. It probably put him through college. So um, this is this is the way. Like, I feel like this is the inevitability, um, but just turning people on to the possibility and having a few good exemplars. And I think what's, what the takeaway here is, I think for, I would like for everyone to have is that this is a good exemplar of the form. Like meta movies fun. If you've got the kit, go do it. You know, when they, when they're running it and they, they run it on the festival circuit. It was literally, it was like an hour of fun, but the rain dance tickets, they still, I think they may still have a few. The Raindance tickets, I don't know if it's the Hero tickets or just the iBot tickets, just 10 bucks. I cannot attest to whether or not the passive watch the person tickets are worthwhile or good. I can definitely tell you that when I've seen shows where the person who has the Hero ticket in one of these things is not an not an interesting performer or is this a fish out of water uh it can be excruciating like so like I, watching bad acting. The, yeah oh, go ahead can the people watching do anything because i know god whenever we talked about that one i think juliet did the vr welcome to respite and mentioned that like the the kind of people looking on had like a role to play in it is that is that happen in this one at all or it's like truly like watching yeah i mean welcome to respite you don't really have a role like you have a very limited role Mm -hmm. there's like moments where you get to like kind of like mash a button to like you know participate in in a moment but you don't have a lot of agency in in this one you know the ibot role the role for the um the, the observers they they have uh, three responses they can flash. They can't talk, but they can flash the responses, red, green, or I think yellow, right? Um, and then they can fly around and like find things. Um, they can – so like if someone grocks what it means, they can like go around a corner, look and see if there's a monster, come back, flash red at you. Like there, there would be a way – there'd be a way to like R2-D2 this sucker up, Right? Like you could, you could turn that role into like an R2-D2 or a BB-8 role if you got clever enough quickly enough, but I'm not sure if given, you know, how much unfamiliarity there often is when dealing with this stuff, 
if someone's going to be able to make that leap. It's a lot easier to know, oh, I can banter with this actor than to start thinking of like, hey, I'm a droid. I can zip around. I can come back and start, you know, hovering in someone's face and flashing lights and like uh, zipping around and causing a ruckus. Um, and there's definitely a couple of moments in the story where that could happen, but I think you'd have to be very proactive and really catch a wave to have that experience and sort of, you know, driving from the supporting character seat. I do think it's interesting. I'm here on the website really quick. And I think it, uh, uh, to your point, Noah, about if the, you know, if you have a lackluster hero in this, uh, the meta movie, you might have a bad experience. I'm looking at the ticketing right now. And to be what is a, this, the iBot, which is a sidekick ticket, is only $10. Mm-hmm. But then to be the hero, you actually have to pay $30. Yeah. That makes so sense. I think that's a, I think that's a really, yeah. subtle way to be like do you really want to do this well you know you're gonna to have to shell out a little more but i think that's kind of helpful because maybe those who are in the know or maybe get it would be more like yeah i really want to do that i'm gonna make sure that slot's mine yeah I, and i think there's something to you know something that the team we talked about afterwards uh, you know um there's there's a way that they could be inviting like known role players in to play the hero, you know, like, cause there's a bunch of those. And, and then like, if those people, you know, consent, like letting them advertise the fact that they're playing and then like watching people. Cause like, it could be a lot of fun to see the right person run through that scenario. Right. Um, you know, watching, watching them make choices can, cause you know, that's, that can be a total blast, but, um, it is a crapshoot. Like if you, if you pick a random one when you don't know who it is and they, they aren't set up to do that gag yet, but I think they're going to get set up to do that. Nice. Uh, exciting stuff to me for sure i mean i'm the, the only thing i'm kind of i do have a quest headset but this is definitely a pc vr setup requirement it's looking like you've got to have they're even talking about per, like specific like graphics requirements and making sure you have enough ram yeah so, yeah you do you do need you do need a real pc which is like the downside. It's also why I haven't done it until like now, because this is one of the first opportunities I got to do it since I've owned a PC for like an entire year. Um, and I think, I think in time, like in like a year or two, I, I don't know about Neos. I doubt Neos will, you know, be solid enough, but, but the, the you know, the, the headsets are going to get, the standalone headsets going to keep getting better. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get there eventually for sure, absolutely. But it's it's just still too far away. I want it. I want the future today. Uh, Yeah, I want it now. I want it now. I want it all. So yeah, that was uh, that was the meta movie basically. Nice. How how does that fit in the metaverse though? No, no, just kidding. I I, I could tell you. (laughs) I mean, Neos calls itself a metaverse. Um, I of course reject the idea of there being multiple metaverses. Uh, I am, I am in camp. There is the metaverse and then any given thing inside it is a verse, you know, like I'm more than willing to say the Marvel verse, the Neos verse, the VR chat verse, you know, the horizon verse. Like I would gladly the immersive verse, like all that sort of stuff. Right. No problem. But this, this, this conceptual idea of, um, you know, spatialized web an embodied spatialized web that has VR and AR components to it, uh, you know, that lets real people act on digital objects and maybe digital objects act on real things. That's the metaverse, except uh, no substitutes. All right. So let's send you into a different 
uh, universe uh, <laughs> and talking about the Upside Down. Did I get, did I get that transition? You did. Segment? You did. Yeah. Of course, it was ironic of like, let's just 20 questions with Noah. It's like, what did you see this week? <laughs> oh, oh, great wise one. Where did you go? Um, well, I mean, as a teaser, it's going to go downhill pretty quick after we get off <laughs> yeah. your topics, I think. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Um, so the other thing I did, um, gosh, what was it? So, um, Wait, quick shout out. And Blake and I did a lot of this week, and we will do a spoiler cast. Inscription, it's amazing. I think we'll do a spoiler cast that's maybe like Blake, myself, and Michael Anderson from ARGN because we're all into I, it. Uh, I really want you to wait until I can actually play the damn game so I can get in on that, but I oh, cannot play it right now. When when are you done with the rig work thing? When does that finish up? No, it's I don't have a... My non-work computer is a Mac, and I can't uh, play it there, and it's not at any consoles. So I am yeah. out of luck. You're out of luck. You're gonna you're gonna be out of luck for a while. So I'm sorry. We're gonna do that spoiler cast before you're able to play it. Damn it. Um, guess guess you're not listening to that episode, yeah. Kevin. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, but if you do have if you do have PC that can play it, and I gotta imagine a lot of PCs can, Inscription is <coughs> incredible. And uh, how, as I how say, how long did it take to, to play through? You know, if I had my P, if I was doing them PC, I could literally tell you, I could look at my Steam account and tell you, but I think it was like under 10 hours, I want to say. Oh, okay. Like, like it is not a long game. It is not a long game at all. Like, I did it. healthy for an indie game, though. Oh, it's healthy for an indie game. Yeah. And you find yourself, I mean, you want it to look, you get to the end of that thing, you're like, I wish it was longer. Right, but not but not that much longer, you know. Or there's other things I would say, but like it would spoil. Uh, but it's just, a, as I say in like my capsule review, it's more immersive than like three quarters of the things that call it themselves immersive. And I mean that I'm, I I do not say that lightly. Like both on the like too many things call themselves immersive and and aren't. Uh, to the point where like people are like, I don't want to call my thing immersive when what they're doing is like totally immersive, right? Because it's like, well, people just just use that term. Like, I do something that's you know impertacerated, and it's like, okay, cool, right? You know, um, you know, uh, but uh, but this thing, it uh, it it builds a world, it draws you into it, it messes with the fourth wall, it endows you with a character, um, and there's. There's there's this there's definitely there's a lot of moments where you just sit there going like, where am I right now? Like wh- where where am I? Like I I don't know what my relationship to this to this thing is, in in a good way, in a way where you just feel you know like when you go through like a um, a physical immersive experience and you get totally turned around and discombobulated and you no longer understand like you don't know what floor you're on or what direction you're facing right. Yeah, yeah, because this almost does sound like we're going to keep coming back to it. the theater macabre kind of thing, like where it's like, it's is it breaking the fourth wall? Who are you in this space? Like, and then can that relationship change as you move through the show? So it very much does sound like some of those kind of absolutely LA style shows that break, that get all into being meta, but the other, the other term for meta. Um, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Seriously. So gonna find uh, a PC to bum off of yeah borrow someone's PC gaming laptop for ten hours just like new one thing, um, so the other thing this week was uh, Stranger Things the official store, this is open in in the LA area it's open at the uh, Americana at Brand also uh, gr- which has a great. Twitter account called Americana at Brand Memes, which is not an official account, but is brilliant. Um, and so, um, the, so it's at the Americana at Brand, and in New York, it's in Times Square. This is a pop-up retail slash sort of selfie palace setup that is um, a free-to-go-to store that sells. Stranger Things and Netflix and appropriate to the theme and era of Stranger Things merch. So you'll find Stranger Things gear. Uh, you know, one of the the swag bag was one of the little shopping bags they sell, which has an I Demogorgon LA logo on it. 
there's an I Demogorgon New York in the New York one. If they do other cities, it'll be I Demogorgon. It's like the, the I love, the I heart, except it's the Demogorgon mouth, uh, which is hilarious and uh, adorbs and freaky. So I love it. Um, you know, there's uh, the the front of the store kind of evokes the the logo and also like 80s passion for red neon. Uh, so you walk in the front, there's like nothing else except the logo. You can go to the left or the right, both of lead to the next thing. The next room is like Joyce's living room is set up, uh, as sort of a selfie station. There's also things on the shelves you could buy, uh, like little knickknacks that are, that are themed out. Um, there's a phone on the wall that's ringing and, you know, like you can get up to some no good of that. You walk past the next thing. There's another set, uh, like, you know, will be like right on your left or right, depending on how you go, which is just, uh, you know, a, a, a backdrop with like two BMX dirt bikes. Uh, I don't even mean really BMX, but just like kids dirt bikes. So you can like selfie, you know, station on the seats, both say, do not sit on, <laughs> like you're allowed to like stand next to or straddle, but you don't sit on the bikes. Um, it's like some terrible Christmas gift. You yeah. can look at the bike, but you, you can't, can't ride can't it. Ride it. That's um, it. It's going back to the store tomorrow. Exactly. So enjoy looking at yeah. it. Uh, farther in the back, there's going to be like a, a prom room setup thing uh, where they do some like you can get embroidered. You get it. You can get an embroidered scoops ahoy hat. So if you want a scoops ahoy hat that has your name on it, like you're like you're a poor fool who works at scoops ahoy, they can sell that to you. Um, if you want to go into the Starcade and play some arcade games that they have on free play, which of course I did, you can do that. And they also had what, uh, what games did you play? Uh, Centipede and Ms. Pac-Man, of course. Right. Um, I'm not, <laughs> and I, I really played Centipede. I kind of like, I did one board of Ms. Pac-Man and it was set up. It was set to be super fast. I was like, dang, okay. Like they're, they're, they're they want us to lose. They've set it to the maximum setting. That's fine. Still clear to board. Um, but it was Centipede I hadn't played in a while. Because like, how often do you get a chance to play Centipede with a trackball? Never. Um, and then um, probably my favorite detail in the whole place in there was like the uh, the merch rack for the hoodies and shirts were shaped like arcade cabinets. And I'm like, I want arcade cabinet wardrobes now. Like that's all I want. It's like it's like a line of arcade cabinet wardrobes. Like line one wall of my room, it just I I never thought of it. I saw it. I was like, this is amazing. There was like a, a another dude, older dude in there. He brought his whole family, another another media guy, and I was like, look at that, look at that. He's like, I know, I want them. And I was like, me too. We didn't care about the shirts. We just wanted the we wanted the the wardrobes. How and, big was this store? Because it like I, I guess initially when I read your review, like it it was like I felt like it was probably maybe a compact space, like, and maybe there was like corners, but there's a lot here that you did. Yeah, I mean, I'd say like you know like a you know a, a good size Apple store or like you know a, a Lululemon. Not a full Nike town. Um, you know, it's not it's not that level, you know, like it's it's one floor, it's mm-hmm. relatively deep. Um, it's it's wide enough in a sense in that they were able to create a partition to the to the right. Um, so they put that there was another room that was um uh what do you call it? Um it it had this like reactor thing that you could mess with. So there was kind of like an interactive piece that would then set off a bunch of lights if you went through the whole sequence. Uh, and it was pretty simplistic. It was actually super easy to overthink. Like we were overthinking it. And then the PR person was like, what does this look like? It was one of those moments where you're like, you know, you got your escape room brain. Well, I was like, I think it's this. And they was like, no, it's actually, it's a lot simpler than that. This is made for dummies. And so now you're, now you're doing the thing where you're being too smart. And it's like, yes, sir. Can you please move along? The children would like a chance to play. No, <laughs> okay. Look, you. how often do you get to turn the keys at the same time? How often do you get to do that? Um, so I did twice, um, and, uh, (laughs) literally did it once with a small child and then I did it again by myself. Um, and then, yeah, there's like a selfie station with the Demogorgon. So I had some fun, you know, doing that. And then, you know, I think the, I found myself nostalgic for stranger things after 20 minutes in there, which I'm like, congratulations, mission accomplished Netflix. That's the whole point. They want to make you miss the show, which won't come back until like this june but they want to get you hyped up 
and then because uh, because you got it, they want you to keep keep your subscription up. The thing you like, it's coming. We swear. Um, no, there's actually some really good stuff on Netflix right now, which I I don't often say, but uh, there is. Um, Arcane is amazing. But that's a whole other thing. Um, and uh, yeah, but are you going to play League of Legends? Though? No, I'm not. I am going to go. I am going to go to the secret uh, cinema thing here in LA. But uh, actually, going to the Stranger Things thing hooked us up with that, so that was good. Um, like it was, it was a, it was a, it was a very, very smart choice I made to like not just be like, "Bah, whatever," uh, because I had fun and I saw the future of selfie palaces. Like this is the death of the standalone selfie palace because you're moving through the space and. There was Stranger Things merch. There was Netflix merch. There was Masters of the Universe retro toys, which totally tracks with IP synergy, man. right? IP synergy, and also like that'd be appropriate for the time. There were Ghostbusters toys, which again, not a Netflix property, but IP synergy, totally appropriate for Stranger Things, and perfect for you know, you know what Sony's up to right now. Um, so there was there was a lot of stuff in there. And there was there was also plenty of '80s stuff. Like the swag bag had some big league chew in it, uh, um, which I will admit I, I loved as a kid. Um, and yeah, like I I could see people you know doing some Christmas shopping at this thing, uh, getting some selfies uh, at the selfie stations. Um, the people who are like the high end fans, maybe ordering some of like, you know, the Demogorgon statue or something like that. People are really into it. And there's other things that are just fun. Um, and it's free to go into, maybe buy some merch. But I I can't I can't entirely see. And I know that people do line up still to go to normal selfie palaces, but I can't kind of see selfie palaces surviving in a world where this sort of thing just gets sucked into normal retail spaces. And people are no longer paying for the privilege of going through a selfie palace, but instead are buying merch because, you know, plenty of the foot space is, you know, devoted to merchandise you would actually want to buy. All right. Um, I was going to say something about that and then now I don't remember. So um, let's kick it over to Patrick, who's going to talk about something yeah uh well so everyone uh come on down to literary verse and what put your smoking jacket on you know maybe a pipe if you feel so inclined and then help me pull the furniture together and we're going to throw a blanket over these chairs because we're going to be talking about choose your own adventures specifically the house of danger and war with the evil power master now why uh am I talking about this? Well, that's a great question, guys. Thank you for um, bringing that I up. I mean, I was I was going to ask, but I was gonna, I wasn't going to do it straightforward. <laughs> going to add a few other, a few other Noah's, words. Noah's, Noah's like, wait, what is what? Why is this guy here? What am I? <laughs> but I, I went on vacation recently up uh, to upstate Wisconsin, and there was um, several reasons. One was like there was no internet. It was like a true artist retreat up in Door County, very secluded and that kind of delightfully refreshing and engage, uh, engaging focused way. But then also I've been percolating my own immersive ideas and my own stuff. And I am a writer by trade first and foremost. So I've been kind of toying around with and exploring a lot lately, choose your own adventure like things. But I recently was like, those books are so small. They're so light. Why don't I pick up one or two, take it back and then like revisit it 20 years later. Mm. Um, probably even longer than that. And just spend a night. Cause there's, there's no TV. Like it, like it, it's nothing. There's nothing. Like you could go stare at the stars, but since it's also that far North <laughs> after 10 minutes, you begin to freeze to death. Um, so I had plenty of time to kill in the room. So I started flipping through these and, Super, as I said, super way off kind of base from what we do, but basically only on the periphery. But I just kind of wanted to technically talk about some of these books and kind of like that perspective all these years later, because they're children's books, first and foremost, through and through. But 
I couldn't help but get caught up in it, nevertheless. Um, like there's there's like this excitement that comes where it's like turn to page 16 to do this or turn to page 98 to do that. And you honestly don't know what's going to happen because in both the books I read in the most delightful way, anything goes in house of danger. I was killed by monkeys who had dart guns. I was eaten alive by a human sized Venus flytrap. I was abducted by aliens uh, twice, actually, uh, and only had like encountered like a good ending once or twice. And just not knowing literally what was going to come each and every time I made a decision was exciting. Um, What I kind of found also interesting, though, from a technical perspective of looking at these books was a few things. One, you know, on one hand, it's like, like, why, why go to page turn to page three or turn to page 29 but there's like this subtle genius of like flipping through the pages as you get to wherever you're going and i'm like oh what was that image i saw briefly what what like secret journey of that like it's kind of like that sleep no more thing when you're walking around and maybe you're following one story beat or one character and you walk by an open door and there's like this whole big world happening on the other side and like this, there's this whole event happening in that room, and you only see it that briefest sec- for that brief sec- second. But then you're like, "Oh, well, I- I'm curious if I ever revisit if how to get to that point." And so I kind of found that very interesting uh, to kind of reexamine what these were all about. Um, additionally, I kind of had an interesting thought that I do. You guys remember? I'm not sure if you either of you have read any of these i presume you've come across them at least do you remember on the back they always had an infographic uh breaking down like the decisions like you know if you make this decision there's like there's a decision tree all the way down i never saw that is that was he is this were these old prints of them no these are new i went to my local bookstore i think that might be new yeah so yeah that's fun though well, right. So, uh, so in that sense, I think it's really cool because I noticed that on the backs, there's like the very colorful decision trees, but they're broken down incredibly meticulously. Like there's essentially, I'm looking at the back of the war with the evil power master and there's like a circle, a little circle with a triangle. There's four of those. And then, then it gets to a big circle where you can either go left or right. And then to the left, it's three triangles going down. And then to the right, there's two. And then when I noticed that, I went back, I counted. That's how many pages that you're going through. Mm. So like mm. it's even mapping out like how many pages you're reading before you get to another decision. So whether you're maybe a parent wanting to make sure your kid is reading enough or whatever, but or in this instance, I could very easily backtrack to a decision I had previously made by looking at the back of the cover, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting utility um, addition to like the form. Mm -hmm. And then uh, honestly, the only other really big observation I had was um, in the back, uh, whether I, I presume it's going to be different by volume when they're like, Oh, we, we, we have like eight, if we print this book, there's going to be eight blank pages. So we better put something in there. Um, there's this little two page section in the back of both of these, which was like the history of game books. And I, I didn't, I'm not sure if either, you know, this, but while choose your own adventures is kind of like since the late or mid mid seventies is kind of like the, the name brand. Like this is what we all kind of think of when we think of like, interactive game books and branching narrative stuff. This was actually a very popular art form. It seems in uh, central and South America, apparently according to them, the first kind of game book is from 1941 from an Argentinian writer, uh, George Luis Bors. And the work is called an examination of the work of Herbert Kwan and it's a story that has three parts and nine endings. 
And that same author did another story about a writer lost in a garden that had multiple storylines and endings. Um, and then there were several others, but I, I like, I, I really, I guess in that sense, long story short on why the hell I'm talking about these kids books is if you come if you're in your local bookstore and you come across them, maybe pick one up. They're only $7.99. There's a, to know it to your point, it, they've really upped the game with like kind of the utilitarian like aspects of it in the sense that I think there is something for both creators and fans of immersive to kind of look at these and kind of destruct, uh, deconstruct the structure of what these books are doing. Um, and it kind of allows us to really think in those like almost like storytelling basics of like A wants something from B. Well, if I want the person to get eaten by a Venus flytrap, what series of events has to occur to guide them there? Also, I think the the other kind of piece, I feel like some immersive experiences do like it's like it it's not quite choose your own adventure, but it has kind of that same flow towards like person A ends up on this path and then they talk to so-and-so and end up on this path while the other person in the room goes this way. It, it feels and I, it's not a one-to-one -one match, but it's kind of in that same vein. I feel like kind of think of immersive experiences in that in that sense of how they like kind of branch off and like where you end up, or at least the story you get, probably end up with the same ending as like everybody else. But it's one of those things that it feels it does feel relevant to immersive in a couple different ways. And and there's definitely a little bit of signposting because uh, in one of the things in the uh, in the House of Danger, I remember quite vividly, it was like you sense danger and most likely a deadly trap and you decide to back away, go to this page. And then the, the other option was you decide to forge ahead anyways, go to page, whatever. So it's like, mm, I wonder which one uh, of these choices I'm going to end up dead. Um, so I kind of <laughs> noticed that very, now that I'm much, much older, that kind of obvious signposting to be like, are you, really sure you don't want to listen to the elder uh, space uh, detective to make sure you're doing the right thing? Or do you want to be a hot shot and just go off alone? It's like, hmm, well, I guess I'm going to do, I'll follow the rules. Thanks. Yeah, I think that was, you might, I never got deep into CYOAs. I think in part because like, I the 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 linearity or even though it's non-linear like the rigidness and sort of the linearity of the forking path thing was never like my my bag like you give me even if you give me like four options I was kind of like yeah but like what if you did this you know like that that's always been the thing that probably gets back to like you know why I enjoyed the meta movie so much was that it, it's finally the yeah but like what if we did this instead you know um yeah, you are super on rails here. There is yeah. there is literally at best <laughs> one or two directions you can take. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's just it's literally just like, yeah, kick kick the kick the what do you call it? The the track switcher, you know, mm -hmm. you do that and that's like that's as far as you get to go with with this sort of thing. But it's it's so important and as a as a seminal tool for like, you know, interactive storytelling the idea of the branching paths i find it fascinating that they like trace it back to borges though like uh like that 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 trips me out right there <laughs> i mean it makes sense because like yes he worked in nonlinear, and it's not like i've like delved deeply into his stuff if anything it makes me go like oh i should probably like you know really give it a give it a whirl um, right i guess if anything that's the takeaway here is that we're talking about this because apparently i need to go pick up a copy of some of borges's other works yes and talk about that in a couple in a couple months here on the program yeah <laughs> yeah i i may have started the wikipedia dive though i was like oh, i didn't realize Borges were non-linear that way you know like suddenly suddenly i'm like fascinated it's like why didn't anyone tell me <laughs> yeah and there's also uh the other one is uh julio uh Cortez, uh, Cortezar, uh, C O R T A Z A R. I apologize. This um, is this book. His book was composed of 155 quote chapters end quotes that the reader can make their way through wow. a number of different quote novels end quote depending on the choices they made. See, this is it's so important that you know. Sometimes I think people take the the um, aphorism "There's nothing new under the sun." 
and get sad about it. I know when I first encountered that idea, I was so sad. Um, I've now come around to the realization that, but it also means that there's always something else to discover that you never knew was there. That there are these vast, un, you know, like going back to like the the NFT talk at the beginning of the thing, right? You know, the fact that there are these games in the global south, like in the Philippines. Like I was listening, on, like I said, I was listening on the waypoint. They're like, there are games that people play that you know they're they're making money playing the game, and sometimes they're able to make more money playing the game than whatever like little job they could get around them, right? Which is crazy. But we have to like start, you know, we have to bring it within the realm of our imagination as to like what this stuff is going to do to our economies, plural. And, and even historically with the with these choose your own adventures, like to discover and for them to credit these other uh, authors before them, it, it, it goes the other way. It's like, oh, wow, you could go deeper into the past to discover Absolutely. how 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 the form has evolved over decades or, and be excited by something that clearly maybe someone hasn't thought or picked up recently and yeah. then be inspired to take that six steps further today. Well, and then it doesn't just have to be like a light entertainment. I mean, you know, like those are some serious literary roots. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and that, that constant tension between art and entertainment, right. Between the sacred and the profane, uh, between commerce and, um, you know, yeah, something that's good. Uh, <laughs> all, all of that, right. Constantly happening. Uh, the eternal struggle, uh, the eternal struggle. Kevin, did you do anything this week? Or are you um, just, just vibing I don't, with I don't really have a topic. I'm mostly vibing, but I can give you guys a little choose your own adventure. Thing. Okay. Is this like, do we talk me. about Blazeball or not? Or <laughs> how, how dare you? So uh, topic one is a, um, uh, a video game slash immersive thing that I may have talked about before. Topic B <laughs> is a video game I played about 45 minutes of last night. And topic C is a book. Uh, what was the video game you played 45 minutes of last night? Uh, it was one. Disco Elysium. <gasps> Ooh, right, Disco Elysium. Yeah. yeah. Want to talk about literary and choices and whatnot. So. Yeah. So it, and and it we, we feels... brought up Mass Effect earlier. Yeah. I, I also downloaded download that one because I have never played Mass Effect um, and it was on sale. So I, I bought the, the complete edition or whatever oh, that nice. was. Disco. So talk to us about Disco. How Are you vibing with it so far? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very into it because I got the, the, Final Cut or whatever, which is is voice acted too. So I don't know if, if yes. you've played it or which version you've played. Um, but some great voice acting on whoever does like the internal monologue for the main character. Um, sounds like someone from Hades too, and I'm not sure if it's the same guy. In memory serves, it's one actor doing all of the different internal monologues. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's part of it. Is that you play as a drunk detective who seems to have lost his memory and. It, it fits in where it kind of we were talking about D&D stuff earlier is you kind of have these various stats and whatever you pick is, is something you're good at or bad at. Um, and even on the and the cards that like talk about the stats, it's like even if you're too good at something, it it also negatively affects you. Like you can be too smart and then you can't function with like normal people or you're too internal. Um, so based on those stats, you have like running internal monologues that will pop up. So I think I picked like the intelligence one. So an encyclopedia voice keeps popping up and like reciting facts as I'm like looking at dialogue options. Uh, let me back up even further. So it it's sort of like a role playing game where you pick a lot of dialogue options, and that's like the gameplay mechanism as you try to figure out what is happening to you. And I presume some detective story here that's going to unfold um, once I actually make it outside the building I started in. But it's <laughs> <laughs> like like I said, I, didn't, I played about forty five minutes of it, so not very far. Um, but it feels like something that that is in line with some of this immersive stuff, or at least immersive adjacent that we've been talking about, where it's like, I think there's some appeal here because of that kind of role-playing nature and the way it like it branches off based on on whatever. So it's like I I didn't pick physical aspects, so I was like trying to get a tie off the fan without turning the fan off. And I think my guy almost like had a heart attack and like died right there. Um, and then you kind of pick different things based on that and it's it's a it's a cool experience and I, I can't wait to actually get further and like really begin to explore some of these systems that it's playing with but 
it's rad. Cool art style too. Cool music. Like, yeah. And I think to your point, I feel like disco Elysium, the decisions really have an impact. I feel like, you know, we, we've, we've talked about video games kind of, uh, passively and occasionally specifically here uh, on the program but i keep saying program i i, I guess i got that art uh, thing stuck in my head and i feel like i'm on npr um but i i feel like you know because some of those video games like yeah like the world changes around you the sky is maybe a different color or maybe that town's a little more run down or, or this town is a little nicer because of the decisions you made but like Really, there's like some nitty gritty detail and about how you interact with people and specific things you do and how that just like ripples outward, outwards from your actions to everyone and everything. Yeah, I haven't. I started disco. I heard nothing but good things. I I was like, I, I dig where they're going. Don't think you have the patience for this type of game at the moment. And that was months ago. Um, and I got it, I had bought it on sale and on a PC setup. And then like when the final cut came, they just like updated it. Mm. And I know it's on Switch now, which I'm not gonna like buy a game a second time. I think it's on PlayStation. I think it's on everything. Now. It's, it on, is every, on, it's everything on everything now. now. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally on everything now. Uh when I say like I think it's on Switch now, I, that's code for like, you know. Oh, I could play it in bed, right? Um, so, uh, like, I, I might be, I may be able to like stream it somehow to my phone or, or something along those lines, right? You know, and maybe the text is big enough to read. I don't know. That would be the kind of the requirement. But I think that's that's just there's the fully voice acting thing is like great because then I don't have to read it. But like then the pacing of it, like there's just so much, there, there is so much text there to it all. There's a lot of text. A lot of text. And like at the end of the day, I, I love reading. I love reading, but I do it all day long for work. And so that's kind of the hard thing for me is like, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, by the time it's time for me to like completely unwind, if I've got any visual juice left in me, it may not be, it, it may not be able to handle something that's very textual. Granted, it's all fully voice act now, but it's but that means it's still paced like something textual, and, mm-hmm. and just I don't know. To, just I guess what I'm saying is like, let me know how long it is when it's all said and done, because that'll probably determine whether or not I like take a real stab at it. Like I was very impressed, particularly in the opening. Like I try to do some stuff, and I was like, oh, this is fascinating. You know, there's some real depth here in a way that like. You know, I hadn't seen a role-playing game in a long time. Yeah, and I, I kind of wish I'd... Excuse me. Um, that I'd played it when it was before and after to kind of compare. Because, like, the voice acting is interesting, but definitely slows down. Like, if you're if you're kind of a fast reader or whatever, and you're, like, you want to get to it, you don't want to cut the guy off in the middle of kind of as he's, as he's talking. But it definitely slows the game down yeah. in a way that um, just, like, reading, like, a choose-your-own-adventure novel wouldn't as you kind of pick the dialogue options and and kind of branch off from there so patrick which did you it sounds like you played it which version did you play i i played the uh uh, the reading version of it so it's uh so i'm actually very excited i did not know about the final cut and to your point kevin yes like it goes very kind of quickly in that sense of like you know i think for better or worse thanks to other games of no fault of disco elysium i I always get into the habit of like when you when when the the text starts appearing and you read far enough you're like okay i get it i know which option i need to respond to like what i'm going to do as a character um so that was helpful to like like you know it's like okay i got it great we're going along uh like like in like in mass effect it's like i know where this conversation's going i already know how i'm going to respond i'm just going to click boop go and we can move on and yeah, I think at least with with, with Disco Elysium too, it's like it seems like some of the dialogue options are like insane too, depending yes. on how your like characters built. Like you get some, you get like normal ones, and then it's like, what the hell is this option? And like, where is it going to take me? Um, so I definitely want to like play around with some of that stuff because um, it it seems just silly and fun, and like the game definitely has a sense of humor, but like it's it's a pretty serious story, and they're getting into like topics, including like like the literary reference and I think there's like music references and lots of that going on, but it, it's also very like dryly 
funny about all of it, mm. which is, is nice. Groovy. Well, we've been at for an hour on the dot on the recording. Are, so. are you saying you don't want to go back in the decision branch and, and talk about base, baseball? We can count back uh, eight minutes and just do the next option instead. Well, we did it last week, right? Or the yeah, week before? I, I was going to try and drag Patrick into it because I think he spent like two minutes doing something. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about it more when when more people have a chance to like play with some of the short circuit stuff they're doing. Yeah, um, the next on onboard- the when's the next onboarding uh, for that? Un- unclear. I assume it's okay. going to be after Thanksgiving. Gotcha. Because um, this one ends on on Friday, and I assume they'll take a couple week break and come back uh, with another one. I will I will say for posterity's sake that uh, whatever like several months ago when Kevin was talking about it I joined the Blaze Ball Discord server and uh, if if you're out there listener and you did the same uh, I was completely overwhelmed and lost and uh, I look forward to like when like they pick a firm date in advance. And we could maybe all try. Maybe that'll be the review crew where we yeah. like all, it's <laughs> Kevin my, it's teaches my, everybody how to navigate the Discord, <laughs> how to not place even, the bets. Not even the game, just the Discord, and then we. <laughs> gosh, good golly, golly, and gosh! All right. Well, on that note, Kevin, you want to you want to roll us out? Yeah. Um, thank you all for joining us on this on this Wednesday night in November as we uh, come down off the. The spooky season high and then figure out what we're doing. Um, we'll see you next week. Same place, same channel. <laughs>